can be who you've caused us to be. Lord, I love you and ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Our call to worship is 588. 588. Sanctuary. Let's all stand. Get your phone. No, I ain't got. I got mine. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning. Uh, like I said, this day is a is a is a different day, uh, and it's okay. Um, you got to mix things up every now and then. We're time of our our birthdays, and I have been informed when I call one name, they are not standing up, and that's okay. Uh, so on the 13th is Laura Brower's birthday, and on the 18th is Dottie Penrod's birthday. So we're going to sing happy birthday, and Miss Dottie, you can remain seated. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Our next hymn is 603, 603, when we all get to heaven. Let's all stand. Oh 
time for our praises, prayer requests, and announcements. Uh, the playground dedication is an event that will be announced shortly, as soon as we can get together and uh, uh, and decide when we're going to do it. Uh, the Christian literature collection is uh, in the fellowship hall. The life care pregnancy center is in the fellowship hall. The uh, uh, food pantry is in the foyer back there. Uh, non-perishable foods. Uh, are there any other announcements? Okay, Miss Sandy. I'd like to thank the, the Women of the Church for sending me the beautiful bouquet of flowers. <laughs> Amen. Um, any other announcements? I'll give it an update on my brother. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. We're still praying. Um, yes. Um, any other uh, announcements, updates, praises, prayer requests? I'd like to give an update on our granddaughter here. She was at USC this past week. Right. Right. She had six seizures while she was there. Right. And she goes back to July 2nd. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to add uh, Roger Hudgens to the prayer list. Uh, if some of you may know Harold that came and sang, um, his brother's been having seizures and been having some issues of not being able to keep food down. And anyway, he has been diagnosed with stage, stage four liver cancer. So uh, um, continue to pray for him. Harold, uh, Harold Hudgens' brother, Roger. Um, also uh, continue to, uh, uh, well, we have a praise. I, first off, Helen. You know, Miss Helen had a, uh, had heart surgery or well a heart procedure and she's here this morning. God has answered our prayer. Amen. Amen. Um, also, uh, you know Clayton and Linda's here. Um, they had a uh, they had a busy week this week. Uh, Clayton also lost his uh, his sister. So remember the the Harper family in prayer. Uh, are there any others? John. Continue to pray for uh, Weston Schwab. Um, he's making some inroads, and uh, you know there, there's so many. We know so many. Um, just go down the prayer list when you do your devotions and, and lift these folks up. It makes a big difference. Um, we're going to do that collectively here in a minute. Uh, um, are there any other praises and prayer requests? You just keep AJ on the church. Do what? Church, our Lord, church. Right. Um, and uh, AJ Layton, 
uh, keep him in the prayer. Um, he's having some issues with pneumonia, and uh, he's aspirating, so uh, keep him in your prayer. Um, keep Drew and Tanner and them in your prayers as they're deployed. Um, Tanner Roberts, and so, you know, we have a lot to be praying about and to be praying for, and uh, so uh, keep all those in your prayers. Um, God has blessed us so much. Um, any others? Yes. I, I'm afraid uh, Renee told a, a bunch of us ladies uh, about uh, K-Love Awards and TVN. I watched it Friday. It was at Grand Ole Opry and it was just filled, filled with people praising the Lord and it was all about uh, it. It gave all awards for music Chosen one for the best movie. It was just so nice. Okay. People looking up in the board and just praising them for not what they've done, but what they've done. Right. Amen. Any other? I got a price. Uh, we had two godly men go on a trip in Kentucky this week. He uh, <laughs> was like in London to visit his family. And we were going to praise God first. Any others? Any? I'd like to kind of just real quick further that name that Robert just made. It's such a blessing to have a church, a church family that, that will step up and even step out of the box without being asked to do just these type of things. Uh, and so many times we don't hear about it, and that's okay. It's not for our good measure and whatnot, it's for God's glory. Excuse me, I'm thirsty. Um, any other? All right, let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you humbly. Lord, we know that uh, you hear our prayers. We've seen the answers this week. Lord, we lift up those on the prayer list. We lift up AJ. We lift up uh, all those that were mentioned here today, we praise you for the praises that we've seen uh, with Miss Helen and some of the others. We praise you for the safe trip that those had to Kentucky and back. And we praise you, Lord, for the way you're going to wrap your arms and have been around the Harper family as they grieve the loss of a sister. Lord, we just... We just praise you for everything. The Maid family as they grieve. Lord, this, the, the list is, goes on and on. We ask you, Lord, to put a hedge of protection around around Drew Layton and, and Tanner Robertson and the whole ship full of comrades and the whole task force that's there. Bring them home safe, Lord, as they take care of our, our, our will to keep us safe and secure. Lord, we just, there's so many to lift up. Lord, we just praise you and lift them up to you and know that those that are facing procedures, God, we trust in you and the doctors and the medicine, uh, that you're in control for your glory. We forget that everything that's about this is for your glory, for you and for you. And we offer in praises to you. Lord, if there's anyone who's not mentioned here, we ask you, Lord, to please, please touch their hearts. Let them feel us praying for them and you, Lord, act on that behalf that brings glory to you. Lord, I love you and ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.
Our operatory hymn is 283, 283, redeemed. y'all will just hold on a minute I'm going to go get my little partner and we're going to he and I are going to attempt to sing a song I'll be right back Microphone's on. Uh, hang on, let me start the music. Okay, here, let me move the coat. Here. 
Come on, man. Come on. 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 Come Right. Hang on. <sighs> you ready? I'm going to put it down here where you can hear it. Welcome to the Disney Bundle, where Disney Plus, Disney ESPN Plus, come to life on all your screens. Hulu original. Right, here we go. Hang on. Oh, my God. 
good job. Mm. <laughs> Look at that. That's for you, buddy. All right. Go back in your home. I don't know who was more nervous, me or him. Um, that was their graduation song, and he had been telling us ever since that he didn't graduate, but the kids in their class did. And um, anyway, that was their graduation theme, and he said, "I'm going to sing it at church." I said, "Okay," and he did. You know, that's the great thing about kids when they tell you they're going to do something, they'll pretty much do it. He comes walking through there and said, I'm nervous. I said, so am I. We'll be all right. <laughs> um, if you have your Bibles, if you'll go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Um, it's, been a, it's been an amazing, amazing week. Um, peaks and valleys, highs and lows, excitement, disappointment, fear, smiling, laughing, crying. That's the way this week's been for me. Um, probably one of the best ministry weeks I've had in a long time. Um, you know, uh, Jim Valvano said, "You've lived the full. You've had a great day if you can laugh." If you can cry, and I forget what the third one is, but it makes for a full day. Learn, I think it was. Laugh, cry, and learn. I've had a whole week of laughing, crying, and learning. Um, you get put up on it like a song. You raise me up, though. I can stand on mountains. I've been on the mountaintop this week. And I had to stand on his shoulders to be strong and he's made me more than I could ever be um, and he's lifted me up because I have sure walked some stormy seas this week um, you do something to honor God and our adversary is hard at work hard at work and it comes down with a conversation I had with an individual this week about Jesus and about his sacrifice and so we had a big misunderstanding, or he had a misunderstanding rather, um, and we'll get into it. I'm going to start reading in verse 23. It said, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with things, uh, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not, nor yet that, that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often... Or, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin, the sacrifice of himself. And is it appointed unto man once to die? 
but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let us pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I ask you to please, please, please open this word up to us. Lord, I ask you to allow me to decrease, you increase, so that this will come out and maybe put some things to rest in some folks' mind. Lord, I love you. And this is for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. When Jesus was born at the time of his life, there or right before his birth, there was a great chasm. Half of Israel longed for the Messiah. The other half didn't believe. It had been a while since God had spoken to the children of Israel. He had been quiet. And then there were, you had the uh, Syrians who tried to conquer them and eradicate them. And you had the Romans who was oppressing them the same thing and so Israel had lost its sovereignty and so at that time that started to divide it started to divide you had folks who uh, thought that God would never appear and then you had folks who come up with their own idea that when he did appear what he would look like or what he would do he would come in and drive out all the enemies of God are from Israel and reestablish it as a nation with peace. I don't know why they thought that because out of his own mouth he said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. He did not come to reestablish the nation of Israel. He came to reestablish and establish the kingdom of God. He came not for the religious leaders and not for the leaders of these nations, but he came for the individual for the individual he came for you and I he's still coming for you and I and so with that said 2,000 years since the death of Christ Jesus has been with God he has been in the presence doing intercession for us and I had to explain this to this gentleman because he thought that every time you sin you had to ask for forgiveness and Christ had to hang on the cross that's not what it's about Every time you made a mistake and your dad, your dad, your earthly dad corrected you, did it follow you the rest of your life or did you move on to the next thing? Did you have to keep giving amends for that one mistake? No. No. So if we don't do it in our natural life, why would we expect to have to do it in our spiritual life? One sacrifice is enough. He said it when it was through, when he hung on the cross, he said, It is finished. The death of Christ is enough. Not all the blood of others could have sanctified the nation of Israel or anyone else. Every year, the high priest would enter the sanctum sanctorium, the holy of holies, and he would offer that sacrifice to God. The blood of other animals for a year's worth of blessing, a year's atonement of the year that's passed for forgiveness of sins. And they had a goat that they would hump all that stuff onto and they'd turn him loose called the scapegoat. And they would take him out in the wilderness and turn him loose and all the sins were supposed to be in the wild. And the country could prosper for the next year. That's not the way it works. 
It's not the right word. Read the Bible. It's simple. If a country boy like me can understand this, anybody can. He suffered once because that was enough. It was a perfect sacrifice. Had his death not been a perfect sacrifice, we would still be having to make sacrifices. Now, with that being said, when we go to heaven, we're going to be perfect when we arrive because nothing impure or imperfect can stand before God. See, Jesus went up into heaven not, not the things that were man-made, those blessed ornaments that were in the temple. Jesus entered the heavens where God was. How was he able to do that? He was pure. He had a pure sacrifice. And he should only offer himself once. And he did. He, his sacrifice was perfection. Now, what does he tell us to do? Be holy. For I am holy. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect and walk the face of the earth like him. What that does mean is though we should live our lives and strive every day to do the best we can for Him. What image are we, portray, are we portraying to the community of our Lord and Savior? If we profess to be His children and His disciples, what is the image that people see us in society? Our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our children. Our families, our extended families. What do they see? Do they see a pious individual on Sunday and a hellraiser the rest of the week? What do they see? Do they see somebody who's only righteous when it's convenient but overlook the plank stuck in their own eye? What do they see of us? What do they see in a stranger picture? What do they see of our church? Do they see a group of people who are thrilled and worshiping God because God died for them and offered them freedom, offered them forgiveness of sin, offered them eternal life? Is that what we see? Is that what they see? Or do they see like the man that I talked to this week who said he couldn't come to a church because it was full of hypocrites? And I said, and yet you have no problem going to Walmart. What do they see? See, we are self-sufficient and we're self-righteous in our own self. It is inbred in us ever since the fall. I'm okay to do what I want to do. I can justify my wrongs. I can justify my rights. I have a right to do this. I have a right to say this. Well, I found out this week, just because I have a right to say something, doesn't necessarily mean I should say it. And I forget that. And I cause strife between people because of my comment. And that's not my job as a father. That's not my job as a husband. And that's not my job as a pastor or a friend. And it's definitely not my job as a child of Christ. And so it beats you up. Rightly so, because I was convicted. See, we are God's people. We will stand before Him at the end of all of this and judge the world. 
we will stand with him and just we are his children. He says we have been grafted into the vine. We are children of God. You are a child of God. Well, if you are a child of God, when Jesus judged the world, we're going to be standing there with his, as his brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? And see, there's a group of people out there who every Sunday and Wednesday when they meet, they have to sacrifice God again. Jesus has to hang on the cross again every week, twice a week to repeat the process of redemption rather than accepting the process of redemption. And it's not good. It's not good to do that. Number one, it's not biblically. There's no way in the scripture does it tell you to do that. The reason we repent on a daily basis is to maintain the relationship. To maintain the relationship. God loves us. We have been accepted. We cannot. I want to repeat. We cannot lose our salvation. And nobody says amen. Amen. <laughs> You know, I'm not one to holler, you know, you need to respond, but come on, that one was a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when we have people that are teaching others that they have to repent every week in church for the remission of sins, it denies the work of Christ on the cross. It is sacrilegious. that he would have to do that would mean that Jesus has suffered since the foundation of the world and will suffer until the second coming. Can you believe that? Our Lord is not a sufferer. Our Lord is a conqueror. His sacrifice and the reason he appeared the first time was to put away sin by his sacrifice for his glory and the glory of God's kingdom not ours this principle of sacrifice I'm going to quote this right here this principle of sacrifice explains why the suffering of hell must be eternal for those who reject the anointing work of Jesus they are in hell to pay the penalty of their sins. Period. They're not in hell because Christ sent them there. They're not in hell because God doesn't love them. They are in hell because they will not accept repentance for their sin. So they're in hell for eternity to pay for their sin. And that punishment will be secure and it will be fine, uh, uh, infinite. And continual. Imagine the little white lies, the paper clips from work, the ink pens, the piece of candy when you was five, the money out of the top drawer, or wherever it is. Whatever it is, is enough to condemn you to hell for eternity. Because you rejected the forgiveness and the atoning death of Jesus Christ. That is it in a nutshell. And the Bible tells us it is appointed for men to die once 
And then the judgment. Those folks who reject Jesus Christ and His anointing work on the cross will die twice. Will die twice. They'll die a physical death like every other one of us unless we are fortunate enough to be in the generation that gets caught up. And yes, I am a, uh, a pre-trib guy. Unless you're one of them, then we're going to die. And it's going to cause our families grief. But our families hopefully have enough, enough knowledge of the Bible and a relationship with Jesus Christ not to mourn as those who have no hope. We will see each other again. We will be united. But the second death is a spiritual death. Even those alive today who reject Jesus Christ has a peace in them that is of God. Because we're created in the image of God. Every one of us. Believers, non-believers, maniacs, non-maniacs, whatever. Each one of us has the image of God and each one of us has the essence of God in us. And that essence will be removed in hell. That's the spiritual death. A man dies once. And the moment of the death, everything is fixed and everything is settled. Contrary to the popular belief that we live in a golf community, yeah, there's no mulligan for life. You don't get a do-over. You accept it or reject it. Satan would have you believe there's a middle ground. I can tell you about what the middle ground will do for you. The middle ground will cause you to spend eternity in hell. Just like those who reject it. Because in essence, that's what you've done. Because the crowd and the world runs around and says, this is what's right. Does not mean it's right if it contradicts the word of God. One life, one death. Then everything is weighed. And the results are declared after the judgment. Those of us who are followers of Christ who have accepted Him or His child will face a judgment. It won't be the great white throne judgment. The question will be asked you, what have you done with the gift of salvation? What have you done with the gift of salvation? How have you been? Fathers, Men, you're going to be responsible for the salvation of your children. It's your job to put them in a place to where they can make a decision about Jesus Christ. That's your job. I tell that to every young couple when they get married. Men of the church, it's our job to train the young ones so that they can evangelize and share the gospel and when necessary use words. Ladies, it's your job to teach these young women how to be women of God. How to be a blessing. How to love their husband 
how to nurture the family. Ladies, that's your jobs. Guys, it's your job to protect the family. Society's trying to do everything they can to rip apart the fabric of a Christian household. For since the beginning of time, the house has been a man and a woman and the children and maybe extended family depending on the circumstances. If you watch the TV today or any programs, they marginalize men. If you notice, husbands are always played as goofy and daffy and not smart. The wife is the strong willed one, the, the one that's the overseer of the family because the man is too inept to take care of his responsibilities. People and Satan are trying to do everything they can to undermine the role of a man. Now it's even unpopular to be masculine. Well, I'm sorry. God made me who I am. I'm a man. More masculine than others and not as masculine as some. But I'm a man. In all my imperfections, I'm the head of my house. And trust me, I have a lot. And I recognize them and I try to change them. And God gave me a godly woman to change me. And also to verbalize the things that I know that I need to change. Even as bad as I hate to hear them. But she has my best interests at heart. See, she loves me in spite of me. <laughs> That's a statement in and of itself. Kind of like Jesus. You know, Jesus loves me in spite of me too. Because I can mess some stuff up. I sure can. A man dies, I'm going to quote Charles Spurgeon here. A man dies once and after that everything is fixed and settled. And the answer is for his doings at the judgment. One life, one death. Then everything is weighed and the result declared. After the judgment, so, come, so Christ comes and he dies once. And after this, for him, also the result of what he has done. Namely, the salvation of those who look for him. He dies once, then reaps the fixed result according to the analogy of the human race. Of which he became a member and representative. See, we forget that Christ was a member and a representative of the human race. God came down and put on flesh. And when he stands up there, we have an advocate before us who knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows how it works. We sit here today smug sometimes that Jesus only knew what I've done. He does. He does. With that knowledge, has that changed any of your actions any of your thoughts has that changed any of my thoughts absolutely in fact I'm a work in progress I'm still on the potter's wheel I'm flawed I'm just a man and I've said it and I'll say it again there's no second chances beyond the grave there's not now is the time to choose now's the time to choose 
For Christ, because we die, we simply face the judgment. It is important to note right here that the principle of it's appointed for men to die once is an absolute biblical principle. I think if you read back in Genesis, we're allotted about 120 some years. Most of us don't make it. But the thing that we have is we know that he will reappear. He will reappear. We know that when we die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We can go about our lives and try to advance the kingdom of God and work in our, our, our chosen fields, spreading the gospel there, and know that when we die, we will be in the presence of God. Until that day that the trumpet sounds. Now our earthly bodies will be somewhere. Somewhere. Some will be in a cemetery. Some will be in an urn. Some will be... There's those that nobody knows where they're at. But that's okay because on that day they're all coming together. This is supposed to be a sermon of lifting up and praise. We are to be eagerly awaiting the return of Christ. Are you eager for His return? Do you wake up every morning and look to the east? Are you listening to hear the trumpet sound? Because I promise you when that trumpet sounds, every ear, every ear on this earth is going to hear it. Where are you at? Have you become so like the Israelites so long since God's been that you've kind of lost faith in the fact that he's coming? Are we afraid to forcefully reaffirm our faith with others that God is coming back? Jesus is coming to get us. And he's going to judge the world. And he's going to make it right. And we're going to live for eternity. Praising God. What do you think about that? Do you even think about it? Does that thought cross your mind? I promise you as you get older and have whiter hair and have doses of mortality, these issues become very real, very pertinent. And then when you have issues where younger folks have either passed or almost passed, it brings it to you too because you feel, you feel for them. Their life is just getting started. And you have to put it in perspective. God needed them for something. They did what they were supposed to do. You pray that their souls were right. We know in Genesis it tells us that there's a, an age of accountability. Don't know exactly what that age is. They tell us in, in, in uh, Exodus 21, but... I think there's folks who will never be able to reach the age of accountability and I don't think they're going to be excluded. And I think there's folks that come to that age before 21 years of age. So I don't put an age on it. I just know what happens. Spurgeon, I'm going to leave you with this and then we're going to have the invitation. I like Charles Spurgeon. 
He's concise. He's to the point. He said it ought to be a daily disappointment when our Lord does not come instead of being, as I fear it is, a kind of foregone conclusion that He will not come just yet. Do we really get disappointed when we wake up and the Lord hadn't come? Or is it just a foregone conclusion that it's not coming just yet? There's a difference in the heart there. A difference. So if you're here today and you haven't made a relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you to do so. Because if you walk out here and your life ends, your eternity is set. You're going to pay for your sins forever and there's nothing you can do about it from that point. And then at the judgment, at the judgment, that's when you'll suffer the spiritual death. So, don't walk out of here like that. I pray that no one that hears this word will cross the threshold of hell without first giving an opportunity to turn to Christ. And that's what our job is. It's to be messengers of the good news. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Just trust it and believe it. And ask Him to forgive you and He will. He will promise you He will. Then He will change your heart. If you're here today and you've been a Christian for a long time and you're just not feeling it. You know, it's kind of like when your air condition breaks down and you go over and you just call that same old number on there because it was in the house when you bought the house. Today's the day to revive that. Revive that feeling. Turn it over to Christ. Walk free. Let go of the chains and the anchors and the bonds. Walk free. Your knees will thank you. Your heart will thank you. Those around you will thank you. See, there's an underlying issue. Whenever something happens and something little causes you to explode, you have an issue with God. You need to get it straight. And then for those of you that are like me who've been studying the Word and doing what God's called me to do, every now and then I still have to get on my knees. And I still have to ask God to forgive me. I still have to ask Him to give me wisdom. I still have to ask Him to help me make amends to those who I've hurt. I still have to ask Him to forgive me for dragging His name through the mud because of the thoughts and actions I have. So there's a place for everybody at the foot of the cross, no matter what your status and today is my prayer that we walk out of here free, unburdened, and ready to face this week with no heavy loads or anything. Even though we may have some massive undertakings to undertake, we trust that God and walk it out and let others see Christ through us. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your mercies. I want to thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your answered prayers. Um, Lord, I thank you for all that you do. The circumstances you're involved in. The provisions you give us. 
I pray, Lord, that we will always, always, always thank you for them. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Forty-nine, two hundred forty-nine. Jesus paid it all. So I'll see. <clears throat>